0: All right, no sitting around playing gin rummy and drinking gin at the country club like a couple of old ladies on this one. This is Super Bowl week, man. This is state versus the U week. The Vikings got a new defensive coordinator. We have uh, an epic trip to Brookings. Well, for me, I really enjoyed my trip to Brookings with you and Jen. Uh, almost almost worth a return trip on Saturday. lot to get to. You excited about this Super Bowl? At least Dallas Goddard's playing. <clears throat> I'm always excited about the Super Bowl. Okay. It's one of my favorite I, days of the year. I can never guess with you. Sometimes We've you're, talked
1: about it on this podcast because we've been doing it for three years. You
0: understand I don't have a very good memory anymore. <laughs> so I don't I don't remember that. Dallas Goddard versus Travis Kelsey, tight end game. That will be uh, a good stage for, for Dallas, uh-huh. uh, the Britain bomber. Uh, by the way, of course, uh, this is the place to be on Super Bowl Sunday. It's always the place to be at a big sporting event. But the Gateway Lounge is a Chiefs bar. So, I mean, if you – I guess – if you have a strong feeling about the Kansas City Chiefs, this will probably be a fun place for you. Hopefully, though, if if you're... I, I hope you're not a likes-to-fight guy, just, you know, because you're, there's going to be a lot of Chiefs fans here. So let's not get into any stupid fights. Uh, Eagles fans are famous for that as well. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how many Eagles fans who know this is a Chiefs bar come a crawling and a trolling here at the Gateway on Sunday. But either way, it's going to be packed. It's going to fu- be fun. And if you are a Chiefs fan, I mean, it's... Uh, Best place in Sioux Falls to be by a mile because this is an established Chiefs bar. I'm sure uh, I'm sure you're all about that. You want to come here and uh, <laughs> knowing how much you love the Chiefs and Mahomes and the runs they're going on. I, you know, should I reserve you a seat? No. <laughs> It'll be interesting what what Gilbert will uh, wear and do and cheer for because he hates the Eagles as a Cowboys fan and he. Uh, but, but you're he, making him come here. Uh, I'm not making him come here. No, I mean, knowing him, he's probably got three or four different Super Bowl parties. He really want, wouldn't want me to be a part of anyway that he's going to. So, <laughs> you know, it might work out for the best for the both of us. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get we'll get more into the Super Bowl as we go. Um, the, there's an Andy Reeds burger here, by the way, on Sunday. Just on Sunday. It's a cheeseburger with pulled pork and barbecue. Barbecue, Brooks. pulled pork, cheeseburger. <laughs> Sounds great to me. The Andy Reeds Burger all day long on Sunday and twofers all day long. Usually there's, you know, there's a time pocket, a time window for the twofers, but we're talking twofers. So you want to get a double drink for the price of one or you want to get two single drinks, whatever. Uh, twofers on all the, the good, uh, basic uh, liquor that we love Crown and Tito's and stuff like that at the Gateway Lounge on, on Sunday for the Super Bowl um, you always say oh it's your show you start where you want to but you, you want to just dive into the Super Bowl or do you want to do uh, some Jack because they had an epic basketball clash on Saturday I mean that was freaking fun. I don't know if that just stands alone as a great game or if it means something more after our discussion about where the Jack Rabbit Men are headed, but I mean
1: I feel like I've been saying it, you know, every time they play each other, you know, you guys were talking about going to the game. I was like, it's going to be a great game. This is why I wanted to go to the game. That, but that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, okay. It, tell it me was that. it was a it was a, an outstanding game. It was a, a great day, but like the, there was nothing surprising about that. I mean, that's kind of how that rivalry has become. And in the in the post-game press conference, uh, Dave Richmond was a little more pissy than he usually is, understandably and but even he took the time to say like hey that's it was a great college basketball game that 's what it 's always like whenever we play and When Hendo came in for his, the first thing he said was, "Well, that was pretty much your typical South Dakota state North Dakota state battle and that's that's that is how it 's become and uh, like i 've said over and over it it will not and and does not compare to the football rivalry just because it 's a apples and oranges comparison yes. but but uh, it's, a, it's a really great basketball rivalry, and uh, North Dakota State has a great basketball program. Their basketball team obviously takes a back seat to what they've done in football, um, but they're always really good, and you just know whoever is playing, whatever the personnel is, whoever's healthy, wherever it's at, it's almost always going to be like that, and that was really, really fun.
0: Well, on our car ride up to Brookings, I mean, you were explaining this to Jen because uh, your fiancé, Jen, Came up with us and uh, and and her, her and I sat in the stands. We, uh, I was excited because I know all the everything you just told me. Uh, she wasn't sure, you know, when we suggested she come along if it was men or women. She'd rather see a women's game. Uh, she, and I don't know if that's because she likes women's basketball better or she she knows that the jackrabbit. I don't. Know, I, I. Well, this wasn't even a jackrabbit USD game. Anyway, you said no, it's a men. And you just you said everything you just said to her, and part of it was that. People, I think Jackrabbit fans remember this, but it's easy to forget because of the football thing. Like, it's, what is it, 6-5 and five, Jackrabbits in, in Bison when it comes to NCAA tournament appearances? Something off like of that. Yeah. Summit League tournament titles? I mean, they're right there. It kind of mm-hmm. seems like they mm-hmm. split time on this. Mm-hmm. And, look, it's hard to beat the Summit League tournament and the Denny and the atmosphere there uh, with all the stakes that are on the line because it's a one-bid li- big league. And for yourself, you've covered a few of these NCAA tournaments as well. Whether you're watching it or there, that's terrific. But to me, sometimes the essence of great college basketball is at a home venue. On, it helps to be on a Saturday when it's the weekend and everybody's thrilled to be there. The place is packed. That, to me, is co- that was just college basketball to me. Not March Madness, yeah. not a conference tournament. On-campus site with the joint jumping and 88-85. No one needs to explain how, 88, how you get to 88-85. It's just up and down. Both teams shooting at a high clip and driving at a high clip. and God, that was fun. It was just tough to beat, ever, Mm -hmm.
1: ever, ever, ever. Both teams played well. Zeke Mayo obviously put on a, I don't know, historic might be a strong word, but a, you know. Close. Incredible performance, 41 points, you know, kind of showing that he's the dude. Yeah, I mean, it was, like I said, you know, I'll be the first to admit I don't enjoy covering basketball quite as much as football, especially because there are so many Summit League games that kind of are okay, whatever. You know, the reason the Valley is so awesome is because all the teams are good, and every game, every Saturday is, for the most part, going to be great. I didn't like that in the Summit League. And especially in the last couple of years, as the transfer portal and NIL and all this stuff has affected it, the quality of, of play has gone down a little bit. You know, the, there aren't as many great teams. There aren't as many good games. I don't get fired up to go watch the Jacks play Omaha on a Thursday night. You know, it just isn't the same thing. Uh, but this one is one that, like I said, I circle that one on the schedule every year, and I was Went to bed Friday night, excited for the game. Woke up Saturday morning, excited for the game, and it lived up to lived up to it in in every way. And you know, it does make it fun too now that we've got USD coming up this weekend too. Um, that one hasn't been as intense as the Bison rivalry, but hopefully, we got another good one here on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I try to go to one or two of these a year, and it's usually going to be uh, at USD, SDSU, or Oral Roberts when it's at Frost Arena, and I guess kind of the same thing when it's at. Uh, the SCSC. I try to go to one or two of these a year, uh, and I, I, I'm undecided, and we'll get to the State versus the U game, and if it's going to be worth it, if it's going to be a game, I'm going to go back to this game, and Zeke Mayo. Uh, I mean, you had to think, some people were thinking, after 41 points and the way he put on a show, and it's not like, uh, I mean, it's an outlier because it's 40 right. points is rare, but it's not like he hasn't been playing well lately, it's not like we don't know by now, he's uh, the guy that carries the team, the best, uh, one of the best players in the in the summit. And when you can light it up like that and put that on tape, uh, yeah. I mean, he, he it, it, the, the, the only problem is when somebody starts to get that good. I was gonna say,
1: are you going where I think you're going? Of course, with this? yes. Yeah. It's yeah.
0: like you got to start to. I hate to, I hate to rain on anybody's parade, but you know, I mean, I think Jackrabbit fans know after Baylor Shireman, this, this is the, these are the kind of thoughts you start to have. Oops, now he, now he's getting too good. Damned if you do, damned if you don't, because you want him to be this good down the stretch.
1: I mean, they will obviously do whatever they can do uh, to try and keep him. What year is he? He's only a sophomore. Okay. Um, It'll be a little bit different in that last year, NIL was so brand new that we didn't even know what it was yet. And in fact, the idea of NIL collectives, of players just essentially being given money to transfer... We didn't even know if that was legal yet or what was going on. Baylor-Shireman enters the transfer portal, and at the time, we're thinking the only thing that these other schools are going to have to offer him are, hey, we're a bigger program, you know, we have more fans, more exposure, maybe a better chance to go to an NCAA tournament, compete for a national championship, all this stuff, and not to say those aren't you know, attractive reasons to transfer. But we didn't even know yet that there was the possibility, oh, by the way, we can give you a quarter of a million dollars on top of it as part of the NIL stuff. Because basically no one had thought of it yet. Because again, as we've talked about over and over again, the original intent behind NIL was, oh, you know, if the school sells your jersey at the bookstore, you gotta, you gotta they have to give you a cut of it. We didn't know that they could come up with these sort of, you know, uh, ideas, for lack of a better word, to sort of circumvent the process. I'm Like, oh, yeah, if you do this TV commercial or endorse this thing, you know, we'll give you $300,000 to come here. Uh, so once that was on the table, um, it, it just changed the game entirely. You know, the, the big concern, I talked to Baylor right when he entered the portal, and he's like, well, you know, the Summit League just isn't as good of a league. I, if I want to play in the NBA, which I do, maybe I have to challenge myself against better competition, all that sort of stuff. Well, then later it became obvious, again, not to say any of that isn't true. It is true. Uh, But there was money involved, and that just changes the whole dynamic. I think Hendo really thought that he could keep Baylor Shireman just by continuing to sell him on here's the things that are great about South Dakota State. But then all of a sudden it's like, hi, this other school is going to give me life-changing money to come here. There's nothing you can do to combat that. And you can't be mad at the kid for taking it. I mean, that's just the game has changed this is a long long way of saying last year the jacks were in no position to try to keep Baylor. and i'm not saying now that they're going to suddenly have you know 200,000 dollars laying around that they can give zeke mayo to try and keep him here and we're getting the cart way before the horse here but but that's obviously what everyone's thinking you're you're certainly not bringing something up right now that a bunch of other jacks fans haven't already you know started talking amongst themselves wondered about I yeah. mean, just Michael McCleary was saying to me at the game the other day, just his name alone, <laughs> Zeke Mayo, you know, it's just made for NIL, whether it's a mayonnaise type of deal or yeah. something else. but just. Right. Uh, and he's playing so well. He's from Lawrence, Kansas. I mean, not necessarily that the Jayhawks are going to come knocking on his door, but maybe they are. I don't know.
0: I mean, they were, I'm sure they were familiar with him when he was in high school. Oh, they
1: absolutely were. I, I think know. they were recruiting him for a while and ultimately decided he, he wasn't quite at their level. Yeah, that's right. Um, but he might be now, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be really tough. And, again, this is all highly speculative, but the difference this time is the Jacks won't be caught off guard. They won't be surprised. They didn't even know yet, nobody did, what NIL was going to enable those big schools to do. You know, when Miami started, the the guy in Miami, I can't remember his name, but who started throwing all this money around, that changed the game and now everyone's doing it. And, obviously, if that happens, in this case, South Dakota State is not going to be equipped to outspend or out whatever, you know, other major schools if they really want to make a run at a guy. But at least now they can start trying to prepare for in advance say, okay, we know what we're going to be up against. And to spin it further forward, this is something that's – until some sort of uh, standards are put in place to police NIL – and I hate to use that word because I think most of us felt like this was a good thing, but now it's gotten a little unwieldy. Uh, but it, until something is done to, to regulate it to some degree – this is the new reality for these uh, mid major schools and i've asked i've asked eric henderson i 've asked eric peterson i've asked dave richmond i've asked a lot of other s- coaches like okay, so now do you like have to sort of put a cap on how good of a player you recruit you almost have to be like, well, we want you to be good but not too good because if you're too good you know and of course none of those coaches acknowledged that or, or gave a necessarily completely truthful answer because Of course no one's going to do that. Of course no one's going to recruit a guy and say, well, I hope he's only this good. But it's always going to be a fear in the back of your mind. Any guy you bring in, if he's really, really good, at what point do you start worrying that, okay, we're just building this guy up so someone else can come in and take him.
0: Or a coach is going to put the brakes on. I mean, you know, it's it's a free flowing game. I know there's not a play called for every time down the court, but it's like you're gonna, you know, you're going to rest him a little bit. Are yeah. you going to? I not think drop probably not. I think almost these, every coach these coaches want to win,
1: right? And I think most of them will will come to the conclusion correctly, in my opinion, that do get whatever you can out of the guy while you got him, and if you lose him, you lose him. You know, you're not going to try and hold somebody back to keep them around. That doesn't do anybody uh, – that's not the right thing for anyone. But, but it, it's going to be a real uh, concern. It's going to be a real problem going forward is, oh, great. Because if you're, if you're at FBS or FBS, uh, Power, Power 5, Power 6, whatever, like you can really start to, to look at mid-major schools, uh, 1AA schools when it comes to football, and say, hey, these, this is our minor leagues now. You know, we can let these other schools, if, if we swing and miss in recruiting, who gives a shit? Let's we'll go down to South Dakota State. They're pretty good. They seem to be able to find diamonds in the rough. Hey, we screwed up and didn't get a running back. Let's go get Pierre Strong. You know, we don't have a big man. Mike Dom could come in here and play. You know, that's the thing that's going to start happening. And that's why, it, you know, it's, it's scary for mid-major schools because on the one hand, you go, well, you know, the NCAA needs to do something. Does the NCAA want to do something in the scenario like that? Wouldn't they rather have all the best players playing at the highest level? The NCAA give a shit about South Dakota State. They would much rather have Mike Don playing in the Big Ten. They would much rather have Pierre Strong and Isaiah Davis running in the Big Ten. So there's, no one's going to come and help you. No one's going to come and save you. I mean, this is just a new reality that so far South Dakota State has been much more immune to it uh, than a lot of other schools. Baylor-Shireman was the first one in basketball that, oh, hey, this is happening to you. And so far, they've they've escaped it in football, I think largely because of the pursuit of a national championship. Everyone everyone wanted to be a part of that. But now that they have one, and especially if they win a couple more over the course of the next three, four years, that could
0: change things. Gosh, you, you just uh, triggered me with uh, the with Super Bowl topic we're going to come up with here in a moment with the Chiefs. but. Yeah, did you hear what Jim Bayheim said? Yes. Uh, oh my God! And I'm paraphrasing here, but basically, uh, college basketball's droopy dog, the biggest whiner on the planet, Jim Bayheim captain a hole, uh, you know, mumbled about how uh, Wake Forest bought a team, Miami bought a team, Pitt bought a team. Everybody's buying. Everybody's buying teams. I went to, and basically said, I went to our biggest donor or biggest spender, and nope, they're not buying our players. And I mean, part of me is, uh, the first thought I had was, w- okay, this is the reality. I- I- thank you, Jim Bayheim, for, n- n- I mean, telling us something we already kind of knew, but, I mean, I-, I-, I love the drama, just going ahead and outing these teams and mm-hmm. whatever he means by, quote-unquote, bought a team, it feels like... I'll isn't that what all of them are doing and trying to do it's now? It's legal
1: now. So yeah. what are you even bitching about? Ex-
0: and that's right. the second thought I right. had was, adapt or die, dude, he's like 80. Get out. I mean, yeah. and he talked about how that in same interview,
1: he said, I don't have to quit ever if I don't want to and yeah. uh, I can coach as long as I yeah, want.
0: Yeah, he's he's Mr. Swing is bleep around coach of all time. And he, and he mentioned how this is why Jay Wright got out at Villanova and this is why Coach K got out. Coach K is like 74. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, you know. So
1: he might be right in Coach K, K's probably. case. But by – yeah. Oh, you don't get to have your little fiefdom anymore and rule the world, yeah. and now that someone's going to level the playing field. Yeah. Boy, I sure feel sorry for you. Exactly.
0: Get out of here. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, but was there any part of that where you said, "Well, he is kind of—he's he, putting it—he's going right for the jugular and putting it just where we are," and it does seem a little messy. It, it, Maybe it takes away some of the essence of college basketball. I don't know, I, go, I and I know there's not as much NIL at North Dakota State and South Dakota State, but I go to that game Saturday. I just loved what I saw on the court and enjoyed that, and in the stands, and, and all of it. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, I, I might go down to a Nebraska game, which is a terrible example, because they're not good. Uh, you know, and then we'll watch March Madness, and and we'll and we'll watch, and we'll just go. This is fun. I'm not thinking about if this player's paid or this player is is not how much the, this team is paid and mm-hmm. how much who's screwing who over. Uh, I, I I enjoy the product, and that's it. I don't know. I don't. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know if I mean, get too wrapped up about.
1: Yeah. Well, the Summit League is, is someone West. from the Summit League is still going to be in the NCAA tournament every year. You know, no matter how badly NIL or the transfer portal or anything depletes the talent in the Summit League and even that I think is a little bit overrated because look how many, you can talk about NIL taking guys away, but look at the transfer portal every year. There's hundreds upon hundreds of dudes in there. There's always going to be players out there. There's going to be guys leaving the Power 5 schools the the high level schools looking for a place to play too. It's just that what that does is it creates a little bit more of a college sports free agency thing that is not as fun. I mean that's, you know, Part of the reason people, some people like college sports over pro sports is it doesn't have that free agency element to it, and now we're kind of embracing that. Um, I'm with you. I don't turn on a game necessarily and think like, oh, well, I don't want to root for that guy because he's getting paid to play there or that he got some NIL deal or whatever. Or that team, yeah. Right. But I do think very few people, even people who pushed very hard for NIL to be to become the law of the land on some level, people who have been anti NCAA, people have been saying players should be getting paid. People like you and me, I think we were always on that side of the token. We sure were. But I think almost everyone now is kind of like, well, this isn't quite what we envisioned. Where it's straight up pay for play. Yeah. Um, I don't necessi- I'm not like horrified by it. It's you know, it doesn't make me my skin crawl and suddenly I don't want to watch anymore. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily the best thing for college sports and I think there has to be some sort of happy medium or however you want to say it where yes there's a way to play to compensate players where yes players have a little more agency over their careers and over themselves especially because you know Mike Dom is the perfect example he became borderline nationally famous a household name but could not capitalize on that at all financially and he's not in the NBA you know, a lot of very few guys are in that situation where they kind of get famous, but don't end up going on to the NBA. And Mike Dom obviously could have transferred to Nebraska or Michigan or any of those schools for his senior year. He decided to stay at SDSU to go for you know another NCAA tournament, be the all-time leading scorer, all that kind of stuff. But he told me straight up, on the record, there's a million dollars someone was offering me. Yeah, guess what? I would have transferred. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at now. That's the new reality. Yep. Now. What are we going to do about it? I don't know. You know, I do think they're going to do something. And, you know, like I said, I don't think anyone likes the idea of, and we're not even talking necessarily, you know, $200,000 here, $50,000 there. I mean, we're seeing some kids at the very, very highest levels, you know, multi-millions. Is that what we want to be doing? Giving 18-year-olds $10 million to go to school somewhere? I don't know. I don't think that's good for the – I'm I'm not trying to take Jim Boeheim's side because he does suck and he's being a hypocrite about all this. But, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. You know, like that's not good for college basketball.
0: There's – yeah, I feel generally the same way you feel. There's also Tom Brady. This this connects to young people in the way uh, they're obviously getting the upper hand in athletics now with everything we just talked about. Tom Brady, I guess, had a podcast this week, and he had Bill Belichick on it. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, and one, and one of the things uh, Tom Brady said was, in general, the, the feud that was between us was completely overblown, uh, the, but we did have a lot of hard conversations. That's what happens, and, you know, in high stakes, any profession, but certainly this is we did have a lot of hard conversations. You have to. And then you start to think uh, how many – how many young athletes, starting at the high school level through AAU, where there's more recruiting and where there's more recruiting in high school basketball? You know, you're just going to get told how great you are if you are great, over and over and over again, and you've got plenty of power to take. And and again, good for a lot of people to capitalize on that at a young age, if you're able to. But yeah, does this turn into a different world of uh, it's it's going to be hard for. Players and coaches to coexist for a while together, like Brady and Belichick did, because there's a lot of entitlement now, and it's more difficult to be able to have and take hard conversations with your coach, with your organization, when you know that there's 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 easier ways out, I guess, and other people who are going to love you. And I'm all for leaving for people who love you more, and picking a school or picking a job for the people that want you more. Certainly offer you more money, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Is just it's. this, yeah, This I, leads to less consistency. We're that bothers me
1: less. I never, you know, coaches have always been able to just leave at the drop of a hat whenever they do. So this whining about how all oh, players can just go if they don't like their situation, that bothers me less.
0: Not, yeah, I, and I've always been on that train as well of, of you know, coaches can leave whenever they want, and they're hypocrites. And I don't like the coaches that complain about the the, the portal or, or kids leaving and getting well, better chances. Well, but to that leave. goes both ways but, too. I mean – I, yeah, I, I don't
1: like the idea of coaches thinking like, well, how come these players aren't being more loyal to me? Blah, blah, blah. Maybe you suck, dude. Maybe that's what it is. That's very true. Um, but And it's not just about, you know, oh, the coaches can leave whenever they want and the players can. I mean, that's part of it too. But I just think, you know, make, make your program more attractive. Make your guys want to stay. Uh, having said that, coaches do have a point in railing against the portal because as we see every single year – X number of guys are in the portal right now. How many of them find a landing spot? What is it, like 50%, 60%? Good I question. mean, every year there's hundreds of kids who enter the portal and end up nowhere. Yeah. And I don't know what happens to those kids. If they're just out of sports, if they, you know, take a year off, then find a, a spot somewhere. They can come
0: crawling back too. If, but, I mean, how often does that happen? I, I mean, I'm starting to see it more.
1: I would get – so you know, we've seen some – reporting on this we've seen some some anecdotal stuff about this but there's a lot there are definitely a lot of kids out out there and that's where these complaining coaches have a point where they're right like they're just like oh i'm not getting enough playing time or this isn't going my way so i'm gonna cry about it and jump in the portal and then no one wants them because hi guess what it wasn't the coach it was you you weren't good enough Mm -hmm. you're in the portal now and why doesn't anyone want me because you're not that good dude Mm -hmm. so that's another one of those things where i can see both sides of it
0: All right, so uh, never expected us to go this way, but that's fun. Now we've got SDSU and USD, which was, I mean, the women's game was a massacre, one eighteen to 59 just like a few weeks ago. They're doing the mirror thing, and one game's Mm -hmm. in Vermilion, and the men's game is in in Brookings. And, you know, the men's game was a bit of a slaughter as well. Uh, USD was able to beat North Dakota State on Thursday before the Bison came into Frost, which... Feels like a nice little pick-me-up for the Coyotes, but, I mean.
1: And then they lost at home to UND the, uh, two days later. Yeah, and
0: how good is UND, you tell me. Very bad. Okay. Last place. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess, can do we know what to expect on Saturday? Is it worth driving up there and uh, soaking her all in? Or because I've been to these USDSDSU throttlings in Brookings, and they're, they're fun for about five seconds, and <sighs> then it's just a jackrabbit party all afternoon.
1: Yeah. They're usually pretty competitive on the men's side. There haven't been as many certainly not like we saw the other day, the one eighteen fifty nine or whatever it was. It's hard to say USD's been wildly inconsistent this year. I mean it's been almost win loss win loss, win loss, win loss practically. um They still have a pretty good team. uh a lot of people thought they might have a chance to be one of the top teams in the league this year, and I think you know they, they could finish anywhere between like third and eighth depending on how things play out. Uh, it's just been a weird year for them. Uh, A.J. Plitzewite hasn't fully come back yet, I don't think, from that injury. He's not the same player. That's been a disappointment for them. Uh, not having their coach for a month because he got injured. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, that threw some a wrench into it a little bit too. Um, you just look at it and say, okay, they lost to him at home. Of course they're going to lose to him on the road. And yeah, they probably will. Jacks should win this game. Jacks are very, very tough at home. I think someone said today that the Yotes haven't won at Frost since 1999 or something like that. Wow. Um so I don't know. But I—I I they're usually pretty good games. I think this will be a competitive game. SDSU's good. They're not great. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're beatable. They're not some team are like, oh, we don't have a chance against those guys.
0: Well, it's amazing. On Saturday against NDSU, it was 22-9 after whatever it was, six, seven mm-hmm. minutes. And it I'll, I'll never forget it. I think you—I think it was Mayo, but somebody hit a three-pointer that hit the heel of the rim. It was Mims. It was Mims. Yeah. And, it, and it plopped in. Mm-hmm. And, and then Mayo uh, hit one on
1: the very next possession. Yeah, and
0: yeah. then bang, so that's six points in a row. Now yeah. it's a seven-point game, and it's game on the rest of the way. And the Jacks, particularly Mayo, but the Jacks, you know, they're, they're on fire. And, and NDSU just kept up with them the whole time. So you never know. Uh, and maybe that game look made South Coast State look better than they Really are, or maybe it's a sign of things to come down the stretch. Who well, knows? NDSU
1: isn't great either. I mean, I think they yeah. have a, they're like nine and fourteen this year. Yeah, lost in the fact that what a competitive game was, because they're two pretty evenly matched teams. You know, neither one of them are that great this and maybe year. Maybe
0: they're not awesome at defense. I don't know any of the stats, but they've great both game.
1: been both been really inconsistent on yeah. that
0: end. Uh, so there you go. Uh, we'll see. I I, I certainly enjoyed. The trip and the fun. I enjoyed the company. I don't know if you enjoyed your company. You're the one that had to work, so I don't know if it was as fun for you as it was for
1: us. Well, Mike was there. It was nice to be able to cover yeah. a game with him again. Not yeah. like we're you know long lost or anything. It's been a month since yeah. I wasn't his coworker, but yeah. that was fun to watch a game with him and for all of us to go have a beer afterwards. Yeah. yeah.
0: Speaking of jackrabbit Rabbit parties, and I don't mind that by the way. I'm not because I think by now anybody's been actually paying attention to me. A few people, uh, you know, the last. 10th 13 15 years I don't I don't love the jacks I don't love the Yotes, I don't hate either I I, I Stop In doing this. General fr- oh, we we wow. don't have
1: to keep apologizing to USD fans every time we talk about <laughs> the That's jacks. not what I'm doing. Okay. Uh,
0: that's not, I'm actually apologizing to SDSU fans because okay. they might take that comment I said earlier. Oh, I'm going to go up there, and it's going to be, uh, you know, they're going to blow them out early. It's going to be a Jackrabbit party, and boy, wouldn't that suck. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. I would just rather have a competitive game like the NDSU game. But the atmosphere at Frost Arena is terrific, and I... I could, I'll
1: could. i say this as long as... I, I could not, and me and Michael talked about this. Like, yeah. Being at the USD game on Thursday night against North Dakota State, there was not a good crowd there. Yeah. Uh, and after the game, the USD players and Eric Peterson were talking about what a good crowd it was. And I was kinda like, Am I missing something? I mean maybe they were just louder than usual because they played well and yes, won the game. Probably. Um, but I just was like, Man, that didn't seem like a good crowd to me. But I was surely wasn't gonna say anything in their press conference to, you know, refute them or anything. I was right. like, okay. Well then two days later, we're at Frost and the place is packed. And, you know, deafeningly loud at at multiple times. Just this am- And, uh, granted, it was an amazing game. The other one wasn't. But it was really hard not to kind of go like, okay, here's one and here's the other. Yeah. And the difference was night and day.
0: Well, and part of it is, part, I'm not saying this is the whole thing, but part of it is Frost seats, what, 4,500, 4,000? 4, I was stunned that the attendance was like 3,100. It seemed like there were a lot fewer empty seats than that. But Well, uh,
1: it's, Frost has such a sort of rolling uh, Capacity It depends on if, you know, they lift up the rafters yeah. and standing room only and everything. Sure. If, if they get a crowd of about 3,000, the place is pretty damn full. And
0: it feels fuller than... Right. Uh, well, but
1: I mean, like, those are the the, the chair back seats. Are, yeah. There's about 3,000 of them. Yeah. So if they get 3,000, it's full. Yes. And yes, obviously, you know, USD kind of did the same, made the same mistake on basketball that the Jacks did with football a little bit. It's we'd, too big. Yeah. yeah so t- yeah, they maybe they, they announced the attendance at 1,800 on Thursday night. It didn't look like that many to me, um, but even if it was if it was eighteen hundred, that's still less than a third capacity.
0: Right, and to, and a 1800, six. and eighteen hundred at Frost, especially if it's a good game and the team wins, seems a lot better of an atmosphere. It just mm-hmm. naturally is mm-hmm. the size and also the low mm-hmm. ceiling at Frost and all that stuff. And we we chat. I want to follow up last week on our chat about that because. I was mentioning, boy, I just I, I hope they don't take away this intimate sort right, of absolutely. Uh, feeling that Frost has because Saturday was a testament to that, and I don't think they will. I think they'll do it smart. If you look at North Northwestern had an old dumpy kind of gym, uh, and they've never been good at basketball, but they built a they, they took that site that court and just completely built the thing a new thing around it, and on TV it looks awesome, and it appears certainly haven't been there in person that maybe they took a little bit more space to put in a few more seats uh, and have a balcony and just make it look like a cooler, like a mini NBA arena, but mm-hmm. it's still, I'm guessing they didn't have to sacrifice a lot of that whole, hey, at least everything's right on top of the court. Mm-hmm. I doubt, I'm sure the engineers at SDSU are going to do a nice job, most smart ones these days do, of keeping the charms of an old place mm-hmm. and the advantages of an old place with modern amenities because we need our luxury boxes and all that stuff, and we need to make money off our luxury boxes. Cool but ne- but my observations of going to at least one jack game a year and loving the atmosphere is sitting with you courtside and looking up and it's just and, and of course we're looking up at all, at the side that is all chairbacks mm-hmm. and it's almost always full cuz it's the chairbacks mm-hmm. and it's mostly you know, season ticket holders whatever and so from that vantage point if you don't go up and I've gone up there before but if you don't go up to the top where the general admission seating and the bleachers are walk around a little bit if you just have that vantage point courtside you're like well, this is a cool, old, but slightly renovated uh, mm-hmm. arena. And it's per- it's not perfect, but it's pretty good. Don't screw with it. When you actually go up and sit up there like Jen and I did, and you walk around up there like mm-hmm. Jen and I did, then you start to see, oh, okay, yeah, this place is, uh, you know, a- a- and not just in the arena, but outside the arena. Like, yeah, this needs this needs a lot of touching up. This feels mm-hmm. old, antiquated, mm-hmm. D- Division 2 ish mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just not... And you mentioned it all, and I just saw it firsthand. I don't want to uh, elaborate too much, but yeah, the bathrooms too small, not enough, not enough anything in there, too cramped. Um, the, all- the hallways, the space, everywhere you walk mm-hmm. around. Tell you what they got right is the be- is where they sell the beer, because at first I was like. Went to a concession stand. No beer here. Oh, there's a sign. Beer sales. And the arrows kept going at beer sales. I'm like, where are they putting the beer in Siberia? And then you go and first of all, it's great for us. There, it was pretty close to our seats. Second of all, it's basically it's you know it's it's a quasi beer garden. They put it in an open space up there where you can kind of uh, if you want to. You have to. You can't stand right there next to the beer line, but you can, you know, stand and drink your drink your drink. And just watch the game like, uh, you know, you don't have to go back to your seat. It's a, it's a, they put all of us drinkers in the same area. I like that. Mm-hmm. It was a nice, it was a big area and they didn't fold the bleachers down. Mm-hmm. But in general, I mean, if you look up, when you walk in the Frost Arena and the whole, whatever you call it, the corridor, the atrium, the lobby, uh, the, the double level thing, I mean, look, look up at the ceiling and just look up there. And I, That's all I'll say. They're like, that's, wow. Um, this, you know, yeah. So now I'm convinced. Okay. Yes, for sure. It's time. It's probably been time for a long time. And uh, can't wait to see what they do with it. Yeah, I mean, they
1: don't have, you know, I never really even realized it until all of a sudden I did. They don't have any luxury suites there. Like, yeah. Nothing. Just nothing. Nope. You know, Dana Dykehouse has a courtside seat, but he doesn't have his own, you know, deal. like. And if you go to uh, USD's new place, which to be clear, I think, the SCSC is gorgeous. It's really, really nice. Yeah, I do. Too. Uh, I don't think they did anything wrong about it other than maybe making it too big. Uh, they just aren't, right now, they just aren't able to fill it up. Um, but it's really nice. And one of the coolest things about it is how they have those luxury suites or whatever you want to call them on the floor that are off to the whatever side of the arena is. Like yeah. That's really cool because you have to walk past the back of them to get to like the media area. So I walk by there, and you look into like the entrance to where you walk into those suites. That is so cool. It's like right on court level, but you have this big, wide-open room with all the like a kitchen and the, a big glass door. Wall. Like that's really awesome. Once you watch, the Jacks needs something like that.
0: And yeah, the, and they'll have it. And once you watch a game, and, and and you know the what is it the whatever Dana's number is seventy the seventy-one club at the mm-hmm. SD. I've seen it. I haven't experienced a game at it, but. What, it, what, if you are lucky enough to either be able to afford that or know somebody who does and invites you, because this happened, this is how I live the Nebraska football life every year. I just have a friend who married a gal and they have a suite, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I can't go, I can't go back to the uh, the, I can't go, I mean I can't, I can't, mm-hmm. I could go back to the common seats, but my first choice is always you got a ticket, Tom, because it's it is cool to have your own area, have your own mm-hmm. bar, and mm-hmm. uh, and do that. All right, um, it's. Uh, it's Super Bowl week. Jackson from the Gateway is going with a couple buddies. He's going, man. Where's it at again? It's in, it's Phoenix? in Phoenix, yeah. yeah. Glendale, uh, technically, which is miles away. Phoenix, by the way, is the most spread out, sprawling suburban city in America. And Glendale's uh, for, for, from here to Brookings to downtown Phoenix. but uh, And, it's, and it's, it's forever from Scottsdale, which is the main area where everybody loves to go and hang out and party and probably where a lot of media stuff is this week uh where the uh the golf tournament is the waste management open the pga tour you familiar with that one the big stadium around the 16th oh remember we
1: talked about last year because my dad wanted to keep watching it even though the super bowl was about to start yes And i was getting all pissed (laughs) off i was like hi could we watch the goddamn super bowl
0: i don't think Uh, i'll have that problem this year uh, because uh because the tournament's there they're gonna have to get that thing puppy over with. Okay. Uh, Good, know, I would think. Oh. Everybody, I think most people are gonna watch the Super Bowl. Although, yeah, sixteenth hole, if you wanna uh, catch it, if you never have. I guess if you're not a golf fan, you won't, but it's one of the most famous kind of golf settings that there is. It's the biggest, it's the most seats that are around any mm-hmm. hole. And it, it's got kind of a raucous a, it's, atmosphere it's, from what I'm it's a, told. Oh, yeah, it's a, yeah. and it's the size of an NBA stadium, 15,000, 20,000 seats. Everybody's drunk. If the player, it's a par 3, it's a short par 3, they make it so, uh, you know, there's chances at holes in one, and it's so it's it's do or die. Mm-hmm. They love you if you hit the green on your tee shot. They boo the shit out of you if you don't. <laughs> That's it. Um, and uh, and if it's a hole in one, beer cans go flying. It's just this, uh, you know, it's this big scene. Anyway, uh, so Jackson is going, and so I said, uh, "You mind telling me how much you uh, paid for those tickets?" And he had a, he had a connection, so he got it at face value. You want to know what face value ticket for a Super Bowl is? Sure. Oh, I thought you were gonna guess just for fun.
1: Fifteen hundred bucks.
0: Nineteen hundred bucks. So, uh, and that's so he got. I mean, he's one of the lucky ones. This is, uh, and again, the Chiefs are playing. Uh, I went to Arizona for years. My dad just moved away from there a couple years ago. I love it down there, but I still. I know we've talked about this before as well. Super Bowl is nowhere. It's maybe it might be near. It's certainly not on my my top five bucket list. I have of all the live sporting events or places I want to see. Super Bowl has never done it for me. No. And I didn't even think about it when it came to, oh, Chiefs in Scottsdale. Wow. What a, mm-hmm. n- I, I, I kind of regret die. not
1: going the year it was in Minnesota just recently. And the reason I didn't apply for a credential is because in the event the Vikings made it, which yeah. that was the year they made the NFC Championship game. I was like, I don't want to work. when I've been waiting my whole life to see the Vikings in the Super Bowl. Yes. I don't want to be working that day. Well, then they'd lose. And I'm like, oh, shit, can I get it? And it was too late. That's fine. <laughs> I, I did not buy, lose a second of sleep. I tried too. But in hindsight, it's kind of like, eh, I probably should have covered a Super Bowl when I had a chance. Because I easily could have got a credential yeah. to do it. A bunch of the other guys here in town were there. I'm talking you know. purely as a fan. Would oh, you, as a fan? Would you ever, None. Ever. Zero. That's what I mean. Zero. Yeah. I would only want to go in my capacity as a writer. To experience it, to be in the stadium, to see all that. But as a fan, sitting in the – because obviously in the media, they would take care of you. You're sitting in a press box and – You know, free food, and you don't have to pay for anything. And even if all the other stuff was paid for, as a fan, like if my dad was like, "Hey, I got tickets, let's go," like why? (laughs) Like just you know, even if he had tickets paid for, I mean, I would accept his offer okay. or whoever I would okay. go. But, I mean, like, that would not be, like, a dream come true. I mean, we've had this kind of – like, just going to the NFL games in general, regular season games, yeah. a lot of times, like, is this worth it? Yeah. Is this better, you know, yeah. than, th- than the alternative, sitting at home and going to the bathroom wherever you want and buying a 12-pack of beer for $12 and, you know, just, like it, – it's and then the Super Bowl is just that times infinity. And I'm not just talking about the cost of beer and all that stuff. Like, I've talked to people who have been to a Super Bowl before and they're like, it sucks – because nobody there is a fan. This is a bunch of rich people that's who don't have any connection part, to the team. That's a bit The stadium is like kind of quiet. Like someone scores a touchdown, and it sounds more like golf claps than actual fan, you know, crowd noise. Because yeah. no one's really
0: invested. Right. Like,
1: oh, hey, touchdown! I don't care. You know.
0: Yeah, I'm at the Super Bowl. Yay! Yeah. Look at me. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, Having said all that, because <laughs> Jackson usually listens to this, so maybe they'll listen to this while they're driving around Scottsdale for 45 minutes between their uh, hotel and their golf course and the Super Bowl. But uh, I'm sure they're going to have a blast. I mean, I'm sure most people do have a blast. I, I, it's obviously got to have some money or be willing to spend some money because uh, Jackson was telling me, uh, yeah, we got the tickets, so we don't have a place to stay yet. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, fu- it's fucking Phoenix. It's there's there's a zillion you'll find somewhere, uh, uh. but then I said, look, yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those deals where if you're going, then be all in and don't worry about money. You're just gonna everything's. Gonna, that's part of it. It's also the crowds. I think about why. Of course, I'd love if the Super Bowl were in Phoenix and I'd go. I'd want to play golf. Well, I mean, I, I don't think it's gonna be a ton of fun trying to find a place to golf, at least Mm -hmm. if it's near wherever you're staying. Again, unless you have the hookups, some country club, golf courses are going to be packed, restaurants. I mean, but I know there's a guy that used to come on my show uh, almost every week on KWSN. His name is Eric Nelson. He's from the Twin Cities, goes to every Super Bowl. He just eats it up. And I don't know if I think he usually gets – I don't even know if he gets press passes all the time. He just loves it. There's something about it for him. He And I'm trying to see it, like – because I can't imagine how packed restaurants are. I can't imagine how packed um, if you if it's nice enough golf courses or your hotel pool if you want to go hang out at the. B- I just can't imagine. Um, and well, you haven't I been guess, there. I guess so, there's, that's know. true. That's I was going to say. All like I this said, so I, there is
1: a part of me that when the Vikings lost, like, yeah. damn it, I could have been at the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it's the biggest sporting event in the world. Yes, the entire planet is watching that game at one time. There might not be any other event. You know, maybe a. I don't know a presidential speech or disaster coverage, yeah. but uh, outside of that, were how many other things were everyone in the world? maybe not the world, but this country at least yes. is all watching the same thing at the same time. I was ever since Twitter became part of our lives. It's wild to me on Super Bowl Sunday that anyone is tweeting anything other than the Super Bowl. Like, what are you even yeah. doing right now? Like, oh. and I realize there's people out there who have lives outside of football. Or they're just
0: trying to get attention because everybody else is tweeting. But about even the Super that's Bowl. my point.
1: Even people who don't care about sports, Super Bowls supposed to kind of be your exception. Like, yeah, no, I don't give a yeah. shit about the NFL, but I'm gonna watch the Super Bowl. Because it's the commercials. It's a cultural event. It's yes. like the whole country is participating in this thing at the same time. Yeah. So I can understand the appeal of that.
0: Yeah, but you, you keep going back to how fun it would be to cover. I, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm That's this Eric guy <laughs> is part
1: of the media. If, <laughs> right. if he had to buy his own tickets every year and do the thing, I don't think he'd be doing in that. The stand, yeah. in the stands, the cheap seats. I don't seats. think he'd be doing that. And,
0: the, you know, he's told me about, it. well, it's just amazing because obviously there's all these celebrities that are around, and you run into this person or you see or i don't care but again if i I, i'm a hypocrite though if i got to do it and i'll i'll mention i'll i'll emphasize got or if i had enough money or i just i just spend the money i probably would not regret it because i told jackson it's like uh Mm -hmm. you're not uh you know i said don't worry about spending money because uh it's not like in 20 years you're gonna say oh i spent too much money uh, (laughs) you're not gonna remember how much money you spent um, and you know, of course, he's a Chiefs fan and he's doing it because of that and
1: but that almost makes me feel bad for him Like he's not gonna be experiencing the same Experience of like it's not gonna be a bunch of Chiefs fans Maybe he'll be yeah. with a click of Chiefs fans or I don't know yeah, but at least i to tell you a quick story. Yeah 2002 the twins make the playoffs after they had this drought You know they had won the World Series in 91 and then went right in the shitter 10 straight years being terrible And I was 22 at the time, so 10 years was half my life. You know, it felt like forever since the Twins have been good. And I had been a loyal fan all through the 90s and this just terrible baseball, last place every year, plus playing in the Metrodome, you know, playing in front of hundreds of fans, just the worst professional sports experience there was. Yep. Finally, 2002, they they build a team, they make the playoffs. They're hosting a playoff game, ALDS against the A's. And I got my dad to buy tickets. I didn't have the money I was a college kid but I was like we got to get tickets yeah okay so we got tickets for like the both games of the the first two home games of the series and we split them amongst some friends or whatever anyway I get to game one and there's 60,000 people at the Metrodome for game one of the playoffs and for the last eight years I've been going to twins games where there's 5,000 people in the (laughs) crowd all through college I went to games you know just empty pay four dollars for a cheap seat ticket and you know go down and sit down by the field and all of a sudden, I'm sitting there, 60,000 people, places absolutely rocking, Homer hankies. During the national anthem before the game, I actually teared up because I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. You know, they were trying to contract the Twins a year before that. And they had all these terrible seasons. And now, you know, I, my loyalty is being rewarded. You know, all these years of putting up with this. And there were all these people there, and I was so excited and so happy. And then halfway into the game, I started to notice that there was this guy sitting like two rows in front of us he, first of all he was wearing a suit he was like 60 years old and he was wearing a suit to the twins playoff game and so he looked really out of place and i couldn't every time between every inning when there was three outs he would stand up and he would just look around and i could tell that he was like why am i here why did i come to this game cuz he was having no fun at all he was like he was just looking around like will someone talk to me will i like What's the, why did I come here? Everyone said I need to be at this game. He was dressed wrongly. He didn't know anything about baseball. I could just picture, tell all this by looking at him. He just had this look of bewilderment on his face. Like, why did so many people come to this baseball game? And the more I watched him, the more angry I got. And I was getting so angry. And we were sitting kind of, you know, the room kind of goes up, kind of like steep. By the fifth inning, John, I wanted to kick this guy down the stairs. I was so angry at and him. And he wasn't saying anything? No. He wasn't being about just? no, no. I could just tell how obvious like he was he was being a Super Bowl fan is what I'm getting at like yeah. he had no connection to the Twins did not know anything about baseball yeah. could not give a shit about the team the game anything he was there cuz someone had told him this is a place to be yeah. you should go be seen here at this thing cuz again he's dressed up like he's going to a you know whatever and just every every inning he did it between every inning he would stand up and just <laughs> looking around, like, what am I what doing here? It's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Give that ticket to so someone who – because these were – my dad paid for these seats. They you know, were pretty expensive seats. yeah. And it just made me angry that there was someone out there who probably really wanted to be at that game and couldn't afford it or whatever, and this guy had the money, and so he was like, I'm going to go to this Twins game. I haven't gone to a Twins game in 15 years, did, but I'm going to now because
0: did, it's the thing to do. Did that dilute the experience for you, or is it just a funny story? Uh,
1: it didn't dilute the experience for me, no. but it made me kind of – more aware of the fact that when you have these like again the Super Bowl like oh it's the Super Bowl who wouldn't want to go to the Super Bowl well you're gonna be surrounded by people like that
0: yeah we got about five minutes I'm guessing you got five minutes yeah okay um is this an Arthur day mm-hmm. okay that's fine this is a John has a double header tonight and he left his phone in Lenox day too so uh, I can't be here all afternoon either but um it's uh, who leaves their phone me I have a, you were 10 minutes late too. You're, you're married to somebody with 80, you're married to somebody with ADHD. It's uh, it's how we operate. I'm not making excuses or it's just uh, you, you, I knew you'd ask that. I don't know why I told you. Yeah, I know. It's a thing that like we most have on our person and, and by the way, man, I don't even know if I did. It just wasn't in my. It was. It wasn't in my usual spot. My jean so pockets might be on in my dress. It might be in my car somewhere. It might be Good in my backpacks in thing. I don't care. I'll be fine. No it's no somewhere. Worries. It's somewhere. It's not on the. It's not on the interstate anywhere. It's either at home or it's in my car, or here in my backpack. I don't know. Um, the 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 element of uh, first of all, I'll be here because I'm excited. It's the Chiefs' third Super Bowl in what four years. I'm not here to brag. No one wants an obnoxious bragger. I don't care. Uh, before the Chiefs had Patrick Mahomes and started going to Super Bowls, uh, you and I could still have, and I, st- I still think we can have, these uh, discussions of relatability and empathy for the, the organizations up until the Chiefs got Mahomes. These were two very similar histories, right? Just good, not great, Never hit shit never hit the fan, never been to the Super Bowl, never quite good enough, lots of playoff collapses. And Chiefs won a Super Bowl. Heartbreak. Not in my life. I mean, yes, okay, they beat the Vikings in Super Bowl four. To me, that doesn't count for me. No, but it, it counts, I think, for—anyway, Anyway, continue your thoughts. Yeah, so it's—and and, and it was really exciting the first year, and uh, I insisted on watching it at home because I just didn't— I, I remember watching an AFC championship game against the Patriots that they lost in Mahomes' first year at your place. It was great. But uh, And I didn't really say much. I was a nervous wreck. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to come here. I knew this was the Chiefs bar, and I was just like, I just want to enjoy. We've had this discussions as well. Where would we be? Where would you be when the Vikings reach the, the Super Bowl? And you would always, and you would always say, I, I want to be right here on my couch with my dad and other people. So I did that, and I did that for both the win and the loss, uh, back-to-back years for the Chiefs. I want to be here on Sunday because I didn't do, you know, either the first two times. Yeah, I did, and I, I I want to be around that atmosphere and a bunch of Chiefs fans will be here and and it was, I was here for the AFC title game it was great, but also man it's house money. I don't know how try to put yourself in the try to imagine the Vikings going to three Super Bowls in four years, but you've already won one. Um, you waited your whole life, all the misery, all the you know the the Gary Anderson and Blair mm-hmm. Walsh and all that. And then they win one and it's obviously it's euphoria. Can't beat it. There's a degree of me I don't miss the misery. I'd rather be in I'd much rather be in a position to have a generational lighted up quarterback and a Super Bowl and getting to play in them. But I don't I'm not gonna say I don't care as much. It just it's it's all house money to me. It's just uh there's nothing like the first and at the same time it's just um yeah. I,
1: I I think I've
0: already reached the
1: age where it just won't mean as much no matter what. I mean, even if the Vikings were to win the Super Bowl this year.
0: Even if they got that first, yeah.
1: I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here telling you it you know, would mean nothing to me. or, yeah. But it, you know, it meant more to me. W- I think we've talked about this. Everyone's sports fandom kind of peaks in your early to mid-20s before you really have, you know, a family, life obligations, I mean, you fall in love with it as a kid, and then when you go – basically when you turn 21, then it becomes really fun because you can drink on top of it, you know, and you can go to bars and watch games at sports bars and high-five people and all that stuff. And don't get me wrong, that shit's a blast. Uh, But then around your mid-20s or wherever, whenever you sort of move on with your life, then, you know, other things become more important to you. And that doesn't mean that the Vikings are not my favorite team anymore or the Twins or whoever – um, but it just doesn't impact my life the way it used to, and that goes both ways. I, you know, I used to kind of think like, because like in '09 when they made their run with Favre, I had kind of been like, that was right around the time where I was kind of like, okay, I think I'm finally old enough that this doesn't dominate my life the way it used to. I was 29 at the time, and uh, where'd you watch it, by the way? Huh? You, where'd you
0: watch that Saints game, by the way?
1: At my buddy Phil's house. Okay.
0: Um, I was at your old bar. I was at Buffalo. Yeah. The old and Buffalo uh, Wild Wings. But
1: that team kind of, I remember being like, okay, they're sucking me back in, you know. And then when they lost, I took it really, really hard. <laughs> um, and I remember thinking like, okay, I guess, you know, you at least have to be consistent. If, you don't, if the losses don't hurt you as much, then the wins can't, you can't celebrate them quite as much. Yes. And I think that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, because when the Vikings lost to the Giants in the playoffs two weeks ago, I went to, watch it with a couple of high school buddies and Jen was like really stunned by how hard they took it. Like a couple of my buddies were like just she's like are they going to be okay? And I was like yeah. She's like why aren't you taking it that hard? I was like eh. I think it was more the fact that I just didn't think the Vikings were very good this year. I was like guys, what did you think? You know, we're we're going to the Super Bowl this year. True. Uh, but if they had, would I've celebrated of course. Yeah. You know, would I've got drunk that night absolutely. Would I go up and buy the t-shirts and the posters and shit? Yes. You would have? Sure. Okay. But I'm, um, you know, is it going to Affect my life the way it would have if they had got the job done in '98. No, would not be the same.
0: Uh, we're running out of time. What do you make of Brian Flores as the DC? Great
1: hire. He's probably not going to be there long enough for it to make a difference. Yeah, yeah. If they because yeah. they're going to get a lot. If he's good. He's going to get a head coach job somewhere.
0: They should get a lot better. Uh, I mean, you know, we we don't have time we don't need the nuance Donna, just by
1: schedule alone the vikings are probably going to be a 9 and 8 team next year
0: yeah i mean well and if you believe if you at all believe in karma or the football gods right. you everything went your
1: way this year going to be they should
0: go 5 and 1 in the division because i'm not sold on the lions uh, just continuing their climb uh, Bears are a mess. Packers are a mess now. They'll be yeah. a bigger mess without Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Should go 5-1 and one in the division, but the regardless of the record, the defense obviously should be a lot better. It has nowhere to go but up, and uh, nothing made sense. There were wide-open spaces in the middle. A couple, a couple notes that I was excited about Flores without knowing much about him, other than he was with the Patriots, he was with mm-hmm. Belichick. Mm-hmm. Not everything, you know, Charlie Weiss and uh, Romeo Cornell, they didn't become great head coaches, neither did Brian. Uh, but in Miami... I mean, he kept the Dolphins competitive when Tua was hurt, when they didn't have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And uh, and by the way, fun. This is fun. This is, should be uh, music to Vikings fans' ears. Ed Donatello was the most predictable defensive coordinator there was. It's the same shell every play. Uh, Brian Flores, I guess, two years ago, pro football focus, actually keeps track of this shit. Uh, like the most, the most disguises. Looks, yeah. Oh, okay. You've probably read this stuff already.
1: Well, start uh, by just running a 4-3 and putting Daniil Hunter's hand in the ground. Yeah. i be happy.
0: All right. Well, enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday. I will too. Bye. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. <laughs>
1: Fuck you. guys a drink? Yes.